It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with an effective character, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. I'm James. <laughs> the opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience with complacency in recovery. In episode 45 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. How's it going, gentlemen? James got the pause? Yeah, I did. I did like the pause because when we're recording, sometimes, and I don't know if you listen back to the old episodes and are like, is James impatient and really just wants to like cut in? (laughs) It's quite the opposite. We're not at each other's throats digitally. It's recording different things at different times since we're not in the same studio. So it's throwing it off. I bet it sounded great. You know? Well, that's wonderful. Except you got your line wrong, James. You're supposed to say, James here, but you said, I'm James. I'm James. Yeah, it did screw (laughs) things up. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'll take one from a former episode and put it in so that way people don't actually get mad. You know, because yeah. it happened. So how's everything been the last week? I know yesterday was a big one for you, James. Yeah, I, I my I had the kids, uh, two teenage boys, 13 and 16, half the summer. And, um, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, we did the best we could. Uh, everyone had their own room. So we we got to play. Uh, we, we would get together and have family time. And uh, we would play games and have movie nights. And uh, I took them home. I took them home after a month and a half. And the house feels empty. Um, But one of the best, uh, I got to, my 13-year-old had showed an interest in skateboarding. And I used to be a little skateboard kid. So I took them and we went to the skateboard shop, socially distancing, of course, with face masks. (laughs) Disclaimer. And uh, we built uh, his very first skateboard. And He's uh, he's practicing his tricks now. You don't just then, buy those, don't you? Just buy a skateboard and call it a day. You could only uh, only the noobs do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no we idea. Custom, we you, custom um, fit there. We just so, picked out. So, so do you cut a tree down and then you shave down a board out of a tree? No, you do all that the boards, stuff. The boards are everything's prepackaged. Thank God. Oh. But you pick the trucks and the wheels, and you know there's differences. The trucks, so you, yeah. But he, the, he took it, the axles, uh, if you will. Okay. My son took it one step further because he kept trying to do a trick, and the board would fly out from under him, and he fell twice, and he hurt his poor little tailbone. We do have tailbones. We and um. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go into it. Like no, no, no. I stopped myself. <laughs> And that's the 101 with James. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, you caught me. So he, he looked up on YouTube that there's things called skater trainers. They're like this rubber mesh, like really 
the thick rubber you put on the wheels. So when you do a trick, the board lands and it won't fly from under you. It stays put and you can Whoa. take them off. Yeah. So you got skater trainers. We had to drive. Wow. We drove 35 miles there and 35 miles back just to get them because he did. He looked at every. I was like, well, we're not going to go unless the, the skateboard shop has them. So he like he took an hour and he found them way on the other side of town. God bless him. Nice. Yeah. So, so did you did you cry when you dropped them off? Uh, no, my wife did a little bit, and um, I, it's funny because you know we they did not fight pretty much the whole time, and when they went home, I got a, a little text and a video from their mother saying, "What did you do to our children? They're being so good. They're helping me with the groceries." They're not fighting. She sent me a video of them playing together. Like, like. Did you tell them to do that? Did you like? No. Did you, you didn't put in extra work as far as oh, like. Well, yeah. Every, my um, they tend to be very negative towards each other. They always call each other ugly or fat or stupid or dumb. And every time I did that, I was like, no. What What do we need to say instead? Sorry. And then they would. I was like, what do you replace it with? They're like something positive and be like i like your hair (laughs) (laughs) i like your hair but every day for a month and a half like i i would have to you know just like no we don't we don't belittle our brother you know we say something kind to each other and i know i know they've gone to meetings with you uh before you you know right they both have or just i know just a littler one okay yeah so so did they witness the Zoom meetings, the difference in that, since you and your wife are doing that pretty much on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, they, seem, they saw me on meetings. I'm on the meeting every morning and then uh, usually every Friday night. And um, Dennis got to go on a few bike rides with us. And yeah, we hung out. He knew that we... Um, my son knew that I didn't go on a bike ride on Friday nights because I had my meeting. There's a meeting I'd go on Friday night. It's like three and a half hours long. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's great. So it sounds like, um, you know, busy, but the last month and you, you've been talking about it. So I would definitely wanted to kind of give people uh, a check in. Yeah. So what's the next time you're going to see them? Do you know? Um, nope. Not at this time. Um, the, the in-laws come back um, in August. So, you know, I will be quarantining for two weeks, you know, social distancing from them until we're all clear. Yeah. And then, and then I think they'll be here for a month. So probably after that. And, you know, school's coming up. So I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on with work yet. Well, you'll see them in Minecraft. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. I'll, we were playing games last night too. It was fun, online. Nice. What's the latest, really... Dennis? Uh, not much. Not as exciting as games <laughs> is. I mean, my well, Dennis is going to the meetings in the morning. Tell us about that. Are they yeah, wonderful? yeah. I mean, huh? Are, Are they, they wonderful? what? Wonderful. They're good. Um. You know, we're practicing the social distancing and the mask and sanitization and all that. Um, I 
I enjoy them because they're smaller now, like where before we would have anywhere between like 30 and 70 people regularly. Now we're like, we average about eight, eight to like 10. The highest we had was like 15. So like, I like them because they're more intimate to where we like, everyone like kind of gets a chance to share and we kind of like go deeper sometimes because everyone's sharing where like you know a lot of meetings you'll just get like the same people sharing all the time and kind of just regurgitating their shares that they do where here we get to like listen to like some people who don't share as often like myself you know and other people but so i i i enjoy them i i think they're like I don't know. I like this. I feel more comfortable personally in this smaller groups. It's like talking one-on-one versus talking to like a crowd. Yeah. There was a meeting that I, uh, I didn't go to all the time, but there is a pocket where it becomes too big and too small. And there was one meeting that um, it was a bunch of uh, veterans of different. It's funny. It's I, for no other reason than I think they just bonded and wanted to start a meeting guys that were in their eighties and one guy that was into his nineties that had a bunch of years of sobriety that had a meeting and there was just like five of them. And at the end of the meeting, like uh, another meeting, they said, Hey, this, this meeting over on middle street really could use some help. Uh, if anybody wants to go, you know, uh, in attendance, they would appreciate it. And I went there and there was just like four people. And I think four people is not enough. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and now, and also I was the only one that never had gone to a war. So it's like, so I'm in there and they're talking about all sorts of stuff that went on in Nam and all these, all these wars from yesteryear and like really diving in. And I felt so like I have no idea, you know, and sorry, my other phone's ringing. Um, but it's, it's probably my, uh, my sponsor calling me and telling me that uh, I should go to a meeting. Uh, but <laughs> I, I was always like, I appreciate, and I, I don't hear that done like as much. And maybe it's because my memory is just forgot, but if there are other meetings that, uh, you know, I know in our home group, um, it's done, but not in all home groups are other meetings shouted out like, Hey, this is going on if you're looking for this. And, and I think that's worthwhile. Like if you're listening, uh, and you want more people to go to your meeting, definitely say it, you know? Yeah. That reminds me of like, like here in celebration, we, we have the morning meetings and the night meetings, but there's always this one-off meeting that happened on Thursdays. And when I first started coming around, I would go to it because I went to all of them, but it was like really small. Like a lot of the people that went to the other meetings didn't go to this one meeting and there'd be only like a handful of people there. And, you know, I was, it's a big book study and, you know, I've, first i was like yeah i don't really like this meeting i don't really feel like going and then my sponsor told me that you know we we go to this meeting not for us we go so that there's someone here if they need it so if a newcomer comes in or a visitor or anything like that 
and then now like that meeting you know i can that caused me to keep going you know but now that meeting is actually big we get like 20 30 people even now it's open now with social distancing and mask and all of that but we actually do it now on tuesdays and wednesdays and it's like we average about 15 people sometimes 20 you know so it kind of and i'm like actually the treasurer of that group i got conned into an election (laughs) but but besides that so it's it's kind of like like you said you know like you get small groups or whatever and if you don't really like that meeting then bring something to that meeting and then eventually it gives it life and it becomes bigger or whatever you know yeah yeah for for sure um how's everything are you have you heard anything from either one of your works as far as uh a a back to work date or like just how you're feeling because uh, I, I'll jump in there. I, you know, I'm I bartend at a, a restaurant, and um, I'm still right now getting unemployment. So, you know, as long as I can keep getting that and not work, is a blessing. Uh, well, I yeah, I think it's, it makes everybody safer, really, right now. Oh yeah, and I told them I've had, you know, the main manager call me, text me twice, like we were just getting a feel of when you want to go back to work and. At first, I said middle of July, you know, because that's when I was giving my bringing my kids back. Yeah. And then the text again, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm really just trying to stay away as long as I can. Yeah, yeah. And um, and they said, oh, no worries, you know, there was no fight or like we need you or anything like that. And I'm I'm still in the system, so I can look on the schedule, and there's really at any one time, there's usually like five or six people on it on during the night. Whereas before it would have been, you know, 17 people. So wow. they really, they really don't need me. And I just don't, I'm fine. This is a very long vacation. I'm, I haven't taken a vacation like this since I was in high school. Cause I yeah. didn't work. <laughs> yeah. For me, I like, I think I've mentioned it before. Like I went back to work for a few days when things started opening back up. But then I started having like anxiety and like almost having panic attacks, like at work or whatever. So, you know, my kind boss, you know, allowed me to get off the schedule or whatever. So I'm just playing it like by ear or, you know, just taking it day by day of like, you know, there is a pandemic going on. So I'm waiting until like things get back under control and stuff like that. I don't really want to, I don't feel comfortable in that environment what does uncontrol even look like like to you i think it's different for everybody like like how how... well to me it's more of like the spread of infection in in the pandemics look comes down you know right now we're we're in florida so florida is one of the states that like opened up too early and now we're spiking it's uncontrollable like the pandemic at this point in Florida is worse than it was at the beginning when we shut down. So, you know, there's like no did, mandates did they and stuff say it like was that. worse than New York City was when New York City was terrible a couple months ago? It is, is at this moment. Yeah, yeah, like we're 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 posting like just yesterday we post record uh 
new cases, like 60,000 something new cases just in one day. The other day we posted a hundred and something deaths just in one day, which is a record. I mean, we're, it's, it's not good. So it's, it's for me to protect me and my loved ones. I just got to be cautious. I got to take the steps that are necessary beyond what the government tells me I, I need to do, you know? So yeah. it's wearing masks, it's social distancing, it's, it's being cautious, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get the anxiety. I don't get the anxiety. I get more angry. <laughs> but that's just when I'm like around people who are just blatantly being, you know, yeah, not caring, you know? Does like, it, does it, because ang- I'm getting a lot of people like with, with my job and my jobs, it's gone through so many like ups and downs and waves. Um, since I'm, uh, in broadcasting and radio, I started in early April of being quarantined at home and pretty much for, for two months was either doing, uh, my show just from home in my closet or going in a couple days a week. And then I went back for a month. And then somebody two weeks or uh, two and a half weeks ago at this point was uh, tested positive of COVID-19 because they like it, it, it honestly, it made me angry because yeah. they got uh, because they needed to, which I understand they got a part-time job at the new Blake Shelton bar as the hostess and people were walking in there with no face masks on because of where it was located. It wasn't mandatory. And within three days, guys, she ended up testing positive for it, but misunderstood that when she got a rapid test and it tested negative, that that just is testing the antibodies. That's not testing if she has it right now. Yeah. So she went back into work for two days and that's when, uh, she got the test back that it was positive and it had to take every ounce of my program to make sure that I didn't actually send her a nasty text. <laughs> and because in, in like, that's just me, that's me to the it's selfish me to the core, right? She has COVID-19 and I'm thinking of myself because I have to stay home and I have to take a COVID-19 test, which I did. And it came back negative. Um, but right now, uh, people are coming down on me because I had to, a part of my job is going out and uh, with a face mask on, experiencing the stuff that's happening out there, putting it on social media, talking about it. And when Disney opened up, I had yep. to go and check it out. Now, I left my daughter in daycare and my wife and I went. Um, because my daughter's in daycare where they temperature check. And if you have a child that's in daycare or have gone through it in the past, it is a always thing that the kids are always sick. You don't go through more than a week without somebody having a runny nose. And my daughter always did. And she has not in the last, uh, two months since she's been back to daycare, she has not even had a runny nose. So they're taking it serious there. And I'm only safe going places that they take it serious. So I wanted to see what Disney did and it was above and beyond where they have workers that are just standing around with the shields on and the face masks 
telling people if they're too close to another person um, and telling them to move aside, distancing in every ride. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to jump in. Since I'm- Yeah, like I, I do. I have tons of questions. Like how do they – how do they handle the lines, like the cues? So, oh, so I'll send you a YouTube video. Yeah, you you can actually you can, you can send him my YouTube video that I put. Out. You got one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did a thirty-minute video. Um, nice. Where, I, where 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 on the YouTube's can we find that video? You Mike? can find it, and again, it's anonymity. But oh, I I will, I, will put, <laughs> I will put it out there because you guys you guys are. You know, a part of my family that I love. Um, Slater did what on YouTube? Um, I have a video. Just search uh, Disney pandemic. Both those will come up. Um, but it was very unique in that on the ground, they have the six foot markers all the way. And they're only letting in 30% capacity. So if it goes past where they have markers and honestly, even for the, the rides that are crazy long lines anyway, they will tell you to come back at a certain time, like the fast passes. But what that does is that lets you jump in to where you would be if that line was actually still going. So the, the yeah. virtual lines that they're having in the parks are helping. But I will be honest, there's people right now, and I think it's – it's primarily what I've seen in Florida, the anti-mask wearing people that are saying it's anti-American and everybody's allowed their opinion, whatever it is. <laughs> this is not political, but I will say what that's doing is that's keeping the amount of people going into the parks down because then those people aren't wanting to go. Also, the people that don't feel safe right now are not going and tourists are not coming here because no one's coming to Florida. No one's yeah. coming to Florida. Yeah. So right now, if you have an annual pass so you, or you're local and you're thinking of <coughs> going and you're okay with wearing a face mask, I felt, and who knows, you know, somebody could get COVID-19 by going into a park, but I felt really safe. All they can do is make you feel safe and yeah. do the best. Well, there's and always a like, risk any time you're around people, but yeah, there's there's take the precautions you can't take. There's no fireworks. Uh, there's no meet and greets in person, but they're doing cool things where, um, you know, when you walk into Magic Kingdom, they have the area where the train um, picks people up. Like you, you walk through into Main Street USA, and right behind you, they have stairs to go up to the second floor where you take the train. And up there on the second floor, they had all the princesses lined up for like 20 minutes. The princesses and the fairy godmother that you don't usually see all the time unless you do specialty dining there. And you got a chance to take a a socialty distance picture with them. They also do mini parades where the like Goofy and everything else, like one float at a time will go through. And... uh, you can experience different things in different ways that you wouldn't usually, you know, uh, sh- uh, not Shrek, uh, Stitch, <laughs> Stitch came out <laughs> and Stitch uh, would do a six foot distance picture with anybody that wanted to. So they're well, trying cool. to get back to normal 
And I know when we're recording this, today is actually the day that uh, two other parks are opening up, uh, Epcot and Hollywood Studios. So I'm going to check those out actually this weekend. So next week I can have a update on how they're doing that. Sweet. So let me ask you guys, now that we've talked about all of this stuff, um, have you found like dealing with this and the pandemic and how everything has changed and like kind of getting back to normal, but not really like, has it affected your recovery? Have you become more complacent with it? Yeah. A nice transition, uh, by the way, James, do you want to go first or you want me to? Absolutely. Um, so for me, I've found that, um, you know, I have not, been complacent with my recovery. In fact, um, you know, I prayed to God to put someone in front of me that I could help. And literally like three days later, I got a new sponsee. And um, I've never met this gentleman in person, which is phenomenal. But uh, every time we worked on, he, I, we got through the steps, by the way. So um, he's, uh, he's doing pretty good. He's, um, we always FaceTimed each other and uh, we would read the book together. And um, so that, that really helped me a lot. Uh, and he was, you know, when I gave him a goal, he would be on it. He got his um, four step done in about three weeks. So that was all good. Um, and you guys know about the morning meeting. I am on that seven days a week and I do a lot of service for that meeting. And then, then there's just I've been to two, um, two conferences, two AA conferences that were the entire weekend, and I stayed on eight hours a day for that. And I've also been to um, Dr. Bob's house. I did a tour of that. This is all remotely on Zoom, by the way. Um, and through it all, um, I found a new favorite meeting on Friday nights. The one I was talking about that's three and a half hours. And then the next morning, I take a As Bill Sees It workshop, which is also three and a half hours. And I've been doing this, you know, nonstop. So, like, like my free time is just, you know, kind of relaxing. Um, and I've, I've really upped my exercise game, too, which I've heard a lot of people are doing the opposite. They're eating more and just being lazy more. I've, <laughs> I've, turned, it, I've turned it around, and I, I do, you know, I exercise at least five times a week now and um you know and been eating right um you know i i don't feel complacent at all i i get a little bored at times but whenever i do i'll just i can really there's so much to do you know because this isn't like a hurricane hit us we still have electricity and air conditioning and internet so it, it really is like a vacation um that being said, in this vacation, you know, I have not slacked on the service, um, my, my spiritual growth, and, and my meetings. Um, you know, the point is to grow along spiritual lines. And, um, you know, actually, while one of the things that I was actually just, my wife and I decided that we're going to... Uh, 12 step our marriage because we're both in the program 
And this was her idea, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that we thought that it was? Yeah. <laughs> there was just that part... one person listening that's like, good Thanks. idea, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, she um, she brought it up yesterday, and and I, I said, the first thing I said was, no, I don't think so. She's like, oh, huh. Well, why not? I was like, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> And you know, just transparency here. And um, so I had um, we put together this. Um, well, I started this marriage plan on the U version Bible app. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's um, it's the Bible online. But you can start plans, and the plans are scripture based, but there's a lot of um, insightful um, messages as well. So I did a, a seven day marriage plan. Um, and it intertwines scripture, you know, because, you know, that's what I want to do, grow along spiritual lines. And you can only do so much uh, in AA. Um, in fact, someone told me that AA is like spiritual kindergarten. If you're just stuck in AA, you really want to branch out and, and reach for more. Anyways, um, after she told me that, I said, no, that seems like a lot of work. She's like, well, let's do our marriage plan for today. And we started reading it. And all it's, and it was talking about um, what are you doing for your marriage? Are you working at your marriage? And as I was reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And then she's like, well, I was like, okay, we'll 12 step our marriage. <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. literally, right after I said, no, it's going to be work, I read, you need to work at your marriage. I was like, okay, God, I got it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, it I, I I think it's I think it's super important. Anything you want in life, right? You have to work for it. Like yeah. you don't get you don't get handed anything. And like we we're all around the same age and I'm I'm glad that I don't know what it is. Do do you guys believe in the whole like oh this generation all thinks that way or at least like the 51% of Generation X thinks this way. Fifty-one percent of millennials thinks this way. No, not like, at all. I mean, you got to th- that's a, that's a form of ageism, and you got to think if that's absolutely true, every generation says that about the generation before them yeah. and after them. Sure, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, like okay, boomer. It, you know? But <laughs> yeah, like humans are humans, you know, and like yeah. you, you just, can't like. Yeah, you can't put uh, generations into a box. The generations are arbitrary in of themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. And in the, because what are we? Are we all millennials? Technically, yeah, I'm like, I'm the last I'm year X. of a millennial. Oh, okay. I'm Generation X, so if you put me in a box, I'd be an Xbox. That makes sense. See? That makes sense that he's, he's not a millennial, right? Yeah, right, I'm on Dennis? the very... Sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally on the last like year of technically being a millennial. So yeah, and, and it's it's funny because um, the the work and and thank you for the reminder as far as the complacency. And it's funny that uh, the way that each of us like in our programs works. Like for me, I try. I'm coming into, I guess this is going to be my sixth year in sobriety and I've done, um, three fourth steps, um, 
two sponsors that I've, I guess, gone through the steps with, you know, uh, since, since I did uh fourth step with, uh, both sponsors or, or a couple anyway. Um, but my the last three months in fighting complacency and, um, it's really, it's not a challenging fight. It's whenever the irritability comes in, I know that I have to do work. You know, it's, it's a red flag that pops up and makes me say, you know, like, why do I feel like this? Like when I was talking about feeling resentment and anger towards my coworker that has COVID-19 and what kind of like an irrational thing that is. Like if I shared that in a meeting, everyone would be like, yeah, how dare she? And then also be like, yeah, we're like, what a psychopath to, to think ill on somebody that is ill, you know? Um, and I know that I have to put work in. So I think I talked about it before having um, a list of numbers from my first home group. Um, when I went to the first couple meetings that everybody put down, they like the guys sent a meeting list around and they put their name, their first name and their telephone number. And there's some guys that I, since for the first year and a half that I was there in sobriety, I would go to a meeting or two meetings a day. And they were pretty much the same six meetings that I would rotate through. So it wasn't like every day, every morning I went to the same one. It would be like Monday, I would go to this one at noon. Tuesday at night, I would go to this one here. And they would be some of the same people. Because for whatever reason in Vermont, some people... I kid you not, would go to like six meetings a day and I would be like, you guys got time in sobriety. Why are you doing that? And then I realized after completing a 90 and 90, just how great it is to like, that's a safe space. Also, uh, there's usually snacks and coffee. So it's like you pay a buck and you get, you know, you can pay three bucks and go to Starbucks and not get anything out of it. Or you can pay a dollar and get, you know, a friend of mine will always say it's the best entertainment a dollar can buy, you know. Yeah, and and technically the dollar is optional. Right. You don't technically have to pay the dollar. You don't even have to do that. Right, right. I, I'm just saying as far as like um, that goes, those people mean so much to me. So the last couple of months I've been plugging in and I've actually – uh, reconnected some great bonds with some of those guys. And there's one of them that went back out and I don't want to say I'm his sponsor because he already has a sponsor there, but uh, he asked me different things and leans on me. And when I came into the program, he already had two years sobriety and then he went back out. Um, but it's really great to be able to do that. And there's also somebody from work uh, that I used to work with, in uh, Vermont and also a coworker that I have in Orlando that are, uh, I want to say like on the fence or maybe like one foot and a toe in to the program and are checking out some zoom meetings and are doing that. And I'm letting them go on, you know, any question that they have, I'm answering it and I'm not actually, uh, you know, I'm not promoting it as I am just they're seeing the good in my life. And when they say, how did this happen? I tell them AA, you know, like I give, I give people that already know me 
that satisfaction of like, you know, who actually is responsible for this is God. And I found God in the rooms. So I fight complacency with just being, uh, being honest. And I used to have some fear in saying that, uh, I'm an alcoholic and in recovery to people that didn't actually know me, but now I have no fear. You know, because I stay in the day and that's a great way to fight complacency is to just be honest with yourself. You know, that's that's what I have I have found and been going to some Zoom meetings, uh, some Zoom meetings in Burlington, Vermont, too, because I uh, was looking forward next month. I was supposed to be making a trip to Vermont and because of everything i had to cancel because i would have to quarantine for 14 days there and i wasn't going to be gone for that many days so that was a tough pill to swallow because my wife and child were going to be going up for 3 weeks so they're still going to be making the trip and i will not be able to go with them um so i'm just sticking in the day you know and told my sponsor last night since this is new news that came down and he was like, what are you going to do? And I told him, well, I'm going <laughs> to go to go to meetings, uh, you know, every morning. There'll be no reason for me not to. He's like, I love that. Love that. Do that. <laughs> and then find a hobby, man. Find, you know, find something. So I'm uh, I don't know. I, I might uh, start playing the bass guitar again as well during that time since I haven't uh, got back into it since I got sober. So. I'm fighting complacency with keeping my mind in a healthy space in recovery and then outside of it to uh, kind of tap into yeah. that. So what you, how you, about you, um, Dennis? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, James. No, no, no. I was just going to ask if you, you said the bass guitar, but you know, do you, do you play video games or do you just find yourself watching TV? Uh, I'm no, I've been just editing videos and doing a lot okay. of, uh, so like just video projects on my phone video video games i'm like i i you know what it is i'm just terrible at them and <laughs> i'm not a competitive person but i don't think anybody likes doing something they're awful at uh yeah. and i did it for so long and i was still so terrible like <laughs> like legitimately pretty much through college, if you add it up all the time from when I was in 10th grade high school till when I graduated college, it was like two years of my life I spent doing video games. And all my <laughs> friends still laugh at how just terrible I am. So it's like, you know, they, or, or former friends, maybe I should say, you know, now because I had to cut them out of my life. I couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, it was it was just too much. So, yeah, but that's that. How about you, Dennis? Who's got the dog? Who's got the dog? I know. I do. I'm trying Aww, to hush it. I know. So he, he saw the mailman or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Dennis? Dennis? I play Minecraft. Yeah, but you're good at that. That's the that's difference. Well, I, mean, that's he... our, I mean, it's subjective. Uh, <clears throat> I was... Uh, early on, I was... I definitely got complacent. Like when things shut down and the meetings stopped and stuff, I like pretty much stopped. I was like, okay, like I'm 
not going to meetings. I don't feel like doing the Zoom thing or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I didn't for like a couple of weeks. And I got mad at James because he wouldn't leave me alone about it. Like every day he was sending me texts and shit. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, F you, dude, leave me alone. Yeah. And then eventually I did go on Zoom and um, and like started doing that for a while. And I kind of realized like the importance of Zoom versus nothing at all. You know, it's not it's not in-person meetings, but it's like it's better than nothing. And, you know, throughout this whole thing, you know, it's easy to become complacent because you literally there's not anything to do so what do you do you know like you you get lazy you like don't do anything um you know i think like i can go about two weeks i think is what it is if i go two weeks without doing anything like you know i'm still doing my like prayers and stuff like that but like not going to meetings not interacting with people then like i definitely notice like a difference you know i start to drive myself crazy or get more depressed or like just get poopy you know negative and stuff um so luckily like i you know within where i live in celebration within like a two block radius i have like you know seven to ten people that are around and then, like, even, like, James lives, you know, a couple miles down the road or whatever. So, luckily, I was, like, through this whole thing, I was surrounded by recovery. Because I'd go on, like, bike rides with my sponsors and my friends and stuff like that. And, like, so there wasn't really, like, a two-day period or three-day period that, like, I didn't, like, hang out with something. There was a time where my sponsor went out of town and I probably went like two weeks again without being around the people in person. Mm-hmm. But then like I had the Zoom meetings and stuff like that. So, you know, I think as far as complacency, like now I'm going to meetings and stuff like that. When I do that, when I get into like a routine that I keep up with, then I do fine. It doesn't really allow me to get complacent. You know, like I go, I get up, like my alarm goes off at 6.30 every morning and I got to go to the morning meeting. So like, that's like a commitment that I've made. To be honest, like 80% of the time, I don't want to get out of that bed. I don't want to go to the meeting. You know, I'd rather just, you know, sleep in and be lazy and, and whatever but I've made that commitment. And so I do it anyways, no matter what I do. So if I do things like that, no matter if I feel like doing it or not, and I just do it, I always benefit from it. And I always glad I did it. Like today, I didn't want to go to the meeting, but I did it. And then I saw someone who I haven't seen in like four months because of the pandemic and stuff that was there. So it was great. And like, if I would have not done that, then I would have missed that. So I think that's what's important for me about like battling the complacency is that if I have, if I make a commitment to the recovery, commitment to the meetings, commitments to, 
the routines that I do. And if I do those in spite of me not wanting to do them, then I can't really get complacent. You know, whenever I start like, oh, I don't want to do this today. I'll do it tomorrow. Then those days just add up. And then eventually it's, I find myself of like forgetting, you know, and then the negativity creeps in the, the, the romanticization creeps in and all of that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. Is the, is there one thing that each of you, maybe like a, like a tip for somebody that's dealing with complacency, like one thing to do, to to beat it whether it's pray go to a meeting reach out to a sponsor uh, that has worked best for you in the past if you could only pick one and you could only do one i um, me personally i'm gonna go before you james ha ha <laughs> no no <laughs> uh, but uh i would say if I could only pick one, I would say get a commitment, you know, and it mm. goes along with what I just said is, is get a commitment. If it's an in-person meeting, do coffee, get a, uh, you know, set up chairs in the morning or whatever it is. If you have a commitment, then you have to do it. You know, it's going to put more, not pressure, but more responsibility and it'll get you into the routine earlier you know if it's a virtual meeting make a commitment if you can to chair it once a week or like you know be a part of it you know mm. what do you think james good um for me when i find if i'm being complacent it's because i'm not tapping in um to my higher power i'm not being spiritual so if you're finding yourself being complacent um you need to try to grow along spiritual lines. And by that, I would try, um, you know, reading the book came to believe, uh, reading the, the stories in the back of the book are good because, you know, it's really, I don't know. It's just, it's so cool to hear people's stories and then what happened to them and how they changed. Um, and, you know, reach out, um, to spiritual leaders, um, Definitely, you know, you can never pray enough. I believe that prayer is, is such a, a good thing. And then, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they don't tend to meditate. And um, I would recommend getting a really strong meditation habit formed. And, you know, get alone, uh, put together. I always do at least 10 minutes. You know, 10, if I do anything less than 10 minutes, it's just like, it doesn't work, but, you know, try to do longer too. And that's where you really hear um, intuitive thoughts from the higher power. Um, Cause if you can't quiet your mind to, to listen to what, what the next right thing is, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to just go through life on your own steam. So definitely uh, do what you can. Those are a few good examples of what I do. Yeah. That's more than one thing, James. Well, it's all wrapped oh, up. No! It's all wrapped up in a god umbrella, right? Yeah, go along for the Yeah, it's just say step eleven. Step there you go. It's, step it's eleven. Prayer, meditation, and Dennis. Uh, Dennis, what was your step? Uh, 
I guess 12 would have been it, like, service commitment. Yeah, and mine is to tell on yourself to at a virtual meeting or to your sponsor or to your fellowship, say that you are feeling complacent because what has always, and I, I visualize things all the time. And my first sponsor was like, he was really into the band fish and like hallucinogens and all that stuff. And he was always <laughs> Damn like, hippies. he would, he would paint the most vivid pictures with the most, you know, uh, tie dyes and fluorescence of explaining things. And he would say, imagine a samurai warrior with a samurai sword taking whatever issue you have and slicing with the blade. As soon as you say what it is, it cuts it in half. And that is whenever I'm feeling a certain way, I'm almost like brought to tears right now just thinking because there was so much heaviness in the first year that I had in sobriety. Um, and it just helped. It helped so much, you know, and, in talking about just like the, the crazy thoughts in my head or just like, if I'm feeling like stuck in quicksand and I'm not going anywhere in the complacency to tell somebody, you know, yeah. now you can, you know, get more descriptive with the people in your fellowship or your sponsor than you do in a meeting. But I guarantee if somebody at a meeting said they're feeling complacent and like, yeah. you know, then afterwards or in the chat group, if it's a Zoom, um, yeah. they would say like people would send them direct messages like, hey, you know, this is coming up. Do you want to do this? You know, hey, there's a speaking opportunity. Do you want to speak? You know, because well, that's a great of the way. Group. The, the power, power of the group. group. Yeah. So I don't know what step that is, but I would say just, you know, just go for it. You know, connect. Yeah, that, would be, uh, that would be step one, I think. Yeah. And maybe yeah. we have a problem. So uh, anything else you guys want to add into complacency? I I do. Okay. I go, think, go for it. I, are you sure? Maybe. Yes. Do we have time? I'm not sure. I'm not Am sure. I unmuted? You're no, we hear you. <laughs> um I I I would add that like you know, one thing about recovery is that it's there's always more to learn. Like it's not a finite thing that we graduate. And you hear this a lot, you know, it's a journey, blah, blah, blah. But I think one thing is that where complacency can sneak up on us is, is, is when we think we've got it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, I've been sober for X amount of years. I, you know, I do this routine, everything. You know, I got it. I completely understand it. And I think it's always good to remember that there's always more that we can learn and always more that we can do. And like we could always grow more and become better. You know, so never, you know, get it. We, you know, I got to tell myself this is that we don't, we can't, or I can't ever think that like, I've got this, that I am safe here. I'm secure in my recovery that like, there's no more left to learn or do. And, you know, because I think that's when, you know, we really become complacency and then it sneaks up on you where all of a sudden we're in a situation or, you know, we're caught off guard there all of a sudden. It's like, oh, no, 
we're gonna drink or do something you know <laughs> you you make it sound so like oh no it's gonna be oh, a drink no. <laughs> oh no <laughs> alcohol coming for when me when really it's really probably like uh half it all you know Fuck like, you. What's, yeah. what's the point i'm gonna burn this house to the ground I, I'm sorry for cursing. It's fine. I think it's funny that when we started this almost a year ago, <laughs> we're like, do we want to swear? And it's like, ah, if it happens, it happens. I think, I'm not sure, but on some platforms, it gets flagged if so many swears come up. But like, Dennis is usually the only one that swears. So right. it's. Uh, I know there's some shares that I, because I, <clears throat> I try not to, but I know that there's some shares, even in meetings in real life. <laughs> That like, it just comes out, and, and it, then sometimes I'll say like a swear word in like ten swear words in a minute, and then other times I'll talk for thirty minutes and never say. You it. dropped an f bomb last week, and I think I I had to make edits because there was some like warbling of the audio, but the swear was left in when I was sharing something, and you said <laughs> f, and it was because you dropped your coffee. And it's oh, everywhere. I spilled my. Coffee so there all was over no the point of reference because I had to cut. I listening back, I'm like, oh my god! Like people are thinking that you got Tourette's all of a sudden. Just oh like... no! Because <laughs> all you hear oh, is f, like really loud. And so oh, I wanted to make so sure funny. I put that in. If you're the, listening, the the worst is is when I'm talking to James's wife, and she does not like cursing at all. But I'll be talking about something and I'll just throw in like shit or the F bomb without thinking about it, just casually. And then like the reaction is, oh, and I'm always, I always feel an instant like guilt or like, oh no, I hurt her or I hurt someone. Like, I, I gotta, I, it's definitely something I gotta be aware of. If the quota is seven swear words, we're gonna have to watch it because I think we're at six. So. <laughs> And they all came from Dennis. I don't know. I don't understand. Oh, it's... See it? Like there's see, there's always more ways I can grow. <laughs> I like it. That's good. I don't know if I have anything else to add. Do you have anything, James? Um, just God bless us, everyone. Yeah. See? Oh, tiny Tim. That that should that should actually take away <laughs> one of Dennis's swears. So I think yeah, we'll it have. Yeah. Saving us. So, well, well, thank you, guys. Uh, this is fun, awesome. and it's it's crazy to think that we are almost up to uh, to fifty episodes of this this thing that we started. Uh, we'll be back next week sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode forty six of the Defective Characters podcast. We are Defective Characters, entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, uh, the key to freedom is in the steps, and we'll see you next time.